Time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Scott Foster here with you. Good morning on a Monday. I hope you're doing well as uh, we get some more sunshine coming our way today. So that is uh, that's good. I hope it's not quite as humid, boys. Uh, it 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 was uh, it was just flat out brutal, miserable, well, miserable, absolutely miserable. Yesterday, all it took for me to work up a sweat was to walk to my back door to my yard shed and back again. I didn't have to lift anything. We had a bunch of family over. We always do first yeah. first one of the first weekends of the month. And all it took for me to work up a sweat was to walk from the back door to the yard shed yeah. and back again. And that's before I started lifting anything. It was miserable it was, yesterday. It was hot. Is a yard shed or was is it a she shed? Let's be honest. It's Let's... it's a yard shed. It's the largest the city of Kearney will allow me to build without having okay. to get a permit. All right. So okay. to the inch it's Ten by twelve. All right. Yes. Big, big. Okay. Hey, Clay Patton's oh here. That was goodness. the voice of uh, Brandon Bennett's, by the way. Clay, feels like we just talked a few moments ago. Wozni is out, and... Uh, I feel like it's a completely different world than when we talked. I know um, it is. Well, it is. If it's you're like, in the corn market today and you were by chance long, it's post-apocalyptic. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, well, they did it again, huh? Yeah, we went limit down in cattle. Now we're limit down in corn. It's just... Uh, this is this is wild. That's I guess that's keeps going. Exactly. Have faith, and uh, if you're a praying type of person, it might not be a bad thing to do. Let's run down midday at twelve nineteen. We're talking with Alex Wojcicki. She's got Trent Blair on with the International Maize and Wheat Improvement Center in Mexico as they're talking about research and marketing of native corn in Mexico. The U.S. is providing insight on how that research could apply to helping market on the north side of the border. Could tie into some USMCA at twelve forty-five. Then I am talking with Corey Walters, UNL Ag Extension economist. We're talking about the economics of growing wheat and talking about how farmers can implement. Now, of course, today wheat's kind of taking somewhat of a back burner to corn and soybeans, but never a bad time to discuss marketing plans and how to put one of those together. At one seventeen, Bryson talks with Katie Noellis about her Washington D.C. internship that she just got back from before she heads into the next start of the UNL school year. Mm, okay, all right, interesting stuff. Thank you, Clay. We turn back over to brandon bennett's you heard him earlier he's in here for sports what do you got today i have to say before i get to sports that it's kind of terrifying to see clay Patton with one not one but two different cell phones as if you're managing one that's the wasdy only phone and then everything else comes on the other phone it's a, he he's multitasking he's very good at it this is the first day for the university of nebraska Kearney football team to start their workouts hence the reason jason is not here but i am he'll be back in time for 1225 sports we'll also hear from one of nu's new volleyball captains and it's the first day of practice for fall sports across the state of Nebraska. So it's not yet game time, but it's that slow wave build to game time. The fall sports season is almost here. It's getting there, and we're going to have to wait a little bit longer this year. It starts a little bit later than it was. so uh, Just the way the schedule works on some years. Yes. That's right. That's right. All right, Bob Brogan, what's going on with stocks? Stocks are ten- extending their losses on Wall Street. Investors are in fear that President Donald Trump's September 1st tariff hike on more Chinese imports will scuttle talks aimed at ending the trade war. Elsewhere, Rite Aid has chosen a former insurance executive to replace its longtime CEO, John Stanley, in an effort to improve the uh, longtime struggling drugstore chain. Also, the International Spa Association says spa visits and the money they generate reached a record high last year in the U.S., and who couldn't benefit from a trip to the spa? Have you ever been to a spa, Bob Brogan? 
I have not, but I'm sure that I could benefit from being the one. I, I think you probably could. <laughs> That's all coming up on Vid. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. I'm joined by Paul Perkins. And, Paul, the storms that rolled through last night, not a surprise. The National Weather Service kind of been talking about them, that the, that, that something was uh, something was coming. And, uh, yeah, they were right. Yes. They were right. There's some pretty impressive rain totals. Exactly, yeah. Some heavy rainfall amounts, some, some storm damage, especially towards the Cozad area. Um, but some heavy rainfall amounts of 3.8 inches. That's about the biggest we have seen. Mm-hmm. Elkhorn, Goodland, McDonald, and Blue Rapids, Kansas, all getting in okay. about nearly 4 inches of rain. We had a listener just phone in and report 2.8 inches in Sherman County towards the Ashton area. So yeah, that's a lot. a lot of people are getting in about 1 to 2 inches. And, of course, there was some heavy rainfall amounts uh, the previous night on Friday night, too. Boy, we've we've Saturday night, I should yeah say. we've had it. It seems like a lot of evenings. It's it showed up. Uh, that's the cycle right now, huh? Exactly. Yeah, starting off in the west, and then of course moving east into our area. But it looks like this will be these rain chances will be starting to let up. We've got some periodic chances for thunderstorms over the next week. But as we head towards the weekend and early next week, uh, things will be kind of drying up and also warming up. So uh, hopefully. Hopefully we can kind of bankroll some of this rain that we did get over the weekend for some people. But right now we do have temperatures for the most part. Upper 70s to low 80s across the area. We do have some still some low and mid-70s in portions of western Kansas towards the Hill City area and also towards uh, the Goodland area. Also reported some mid-70s as you head into the Broken Bow area. Temperatures still in the upper 60s to low 70s into western portions of Nebraska. Also with those 3.8-inch rainfall totals in the Goodland area, they had some reports of some flooding. Sunshine is back in our forecast for today. Some seasonal temperatures still. We're on the backside of that area of low pressure that moved through yesterday. A few sprinkles will be possible on the backside of that system today with some northwest winds. Another disturbance is expected for tomorrow afternoon into tomorrow night. That should spark some thunderstorm activity. Some of the storms could be severe, but not looking at a big severe weather threat like we've been hyping the one last time. Just a big question also on how far east those storms tomorrow will make it. Another shot of thunderstorms possible with the disturbance on Wednesday night. A chance for that system with and some severe weather looking to be pretty iffy. Late in the week, that flow turns more westerly. Just some slight chances for thunderstorms. But by the weekend, a warming trend is underway. Mainly dry weather with a ridge of high pressure that starts to build across the southern plains. In the long-term forecast, that is reflected. Warmer than normal temperatures are likely this weekend. Through August 25th for Nebraska, Kansas, the Plains, and pretty much all of the Midwest. The long term also looking drier with below normal rainfall indicated for Nebraska, Kansas, and the nation's midsection this weekend through the 25th. Key weather factors in the markets include timely Midwest rain and the heat stress impacting European crops, a push of cooler air. In the northern and eastern U.S. will be accompanied by a building heat wave across the Intermountain West and the Central High Plains. Some hot, mostly dry weather will persist on the southern high plains the next five days. That general focus for locally heavy rain will move from the northern plains and midwest into the southeastern part of the country. Rain moving from the western midwest to the eastern midwest the next few days will be timely and beneficial for corn and soybeans, but crop development continues to lag the average pace. Heat in the southern plains and delta expected to accelerate the pace of row crop maturity, but may bring some yield loss. After a weekend of moderate to heavy rain in the northern plains, additional rain this week expected to lead to beneficial soil moisture, but also in the northern plains, the crop development behind the average pace. 
Western and Central Europe's weather changed to lower some uh, their weather pattern changed to some lower temperatures with some periods of rain that changed eased some stress to the corn in Western and Central Europe after the harsh heat that they experienced last month. Okay, so if you tell me that it's going to dry up, it's mm-hmm. going to get warm. Now, does that mean we're going to get rid of that humidity at least a little bit? Yeah, probably not because uh, we're going to be topping into probably some of that monsoonal flow of moisture coming up from the south. It's going to be coming up and over that ridge of high pressure because that ridge of high pressure is expected to anchor over the southern plains. So we'll probably see some moisture arc up and over it that, and by probably right into our area because we're going to be somewhat on the northern edge of that ridge of high pressures but yeah warmer than normal temperatures by this weekend and pretty much through the 25th so enjoy the rain that we get got today because next week not looking like we're going to get a whole lot and then it's going to dry up and warm up too okay all right well that's just great (laughs) (laughs) well thank you paul there's never a happy medium i know i know i know know. (laughs) i'm never happy i'm never happy well thank you paul appreciate it where do you go to check in on your weather sir krvn.com Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and I have Dr. Trent Blair on the phone with me. He's with the International Maize and Wheat Improvement Center down in Mexico, and he's the markets and value chain specialist. Well, I want to start, first of all, you're doing some research at CIMIT, and it's focusing on markets for native corn. So first, let's talk about the problem that you saw that needed to be addressed. Yes, so what we have here in Mexico is there's a lot of smallholder farmers. So we're talking about farmers that have 10, 5 hectares or acres. Um, and these farmers traditionally have little access to markets. They produce corn to eat um, within their families and in their local communities. But there's these new markets growing for these different colored corns, these native corns. And so we're seeing an opportunity how these poor farmers can get access to these newer markets, these special markets, and um, provide them with um, stronger livelihoods and better um, income sources. And so your research is all about finding those market opportunities. How is your research being conducted then? Yeah, so we're doing a couple really cool things. One part of our research is that we would interview the middleman in all these restaurants that are looking at purchasing this corn. There's special, actually restaurants in New York and other places, gourmet restaurants that want to have these um, special corn in their in in their menus. Um, so it's been really interesting. So we've been looking at the different actors along the value chain um, and how to get them connected um, with these smallholder farmers. Another thing that we did is we're doing this consumer research. So we've made white tortillas and blue tortillas in supermarkets and in local markets here in Mexico and have the consumers taste them and they're blindfolded when they taste them and see what their preferences for the different types of tortillas and see if they would be willing to pay more or if they would have a preference for these blue tortillas made from native corn. And it's really interesting because the Mexican consumer can tell the difference between a tortilla that's white and blue and that they're willing to pay more for these locally grown um, tortillas of blue corn because they see all this importance to their culture and they believe they taste better. How do you think Mm -hmm. this research can be applied to Nebraska or the U.S. as a whole? Well, if you think about it, the consumers in the United States in many different places are um, moving beyond just commodity crops. 
And so there's opportunities, many niche uh, markets opportunities, especially for smaller farmers. So Nebraska produces lots of popcorn, for instance, right? And there's different types of popcorn and specialty uh, markets for that type of crop. Um, And different type of certified organic or other types of crops. Um, So we're looking at a changing marketplace from what we had when I was growing up on a farm in South Dakota where it just sold in the commodity markets and there's opportunities to direct source to different restaurants, um, different types of consumers um, that um, want different products and traditional products. And so there's opportunities for um, many farmers um, throughout the Midwest as well. What's next with your research? Where are you going from here? Yeah, so we're moving on. So this this first part was uh, on blue maize in this region of central Mexico. And we want to move into southern uh, Mexico, Oaxaca region, which is very famous for the indigenous cultures and so on, have many different types of native mazes. And we want to look at the markets and marketing opportunities for different types of of corn in, in that region. Thanks so much for joining us. That was Trent Blair. He's with the International Maize and Wheat Improvement Center in Mexico. And I should also mention he graduated from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Go Big Red echoes loud and proud across the Great Plains as KRVN and Husker Sports bring you Nebraska football. KRVN sets a new record each week, having brought more Husker games to you than any other station. With the power of 50,000 watts on the AM, plus 106.9 FM and 98.5 FM, you'll hear every snap of the season. I'm Greg Scheib. Join me and Matt Davison and the entire broadcast crew for Husker football on the Rural Voice of Nebraska, 880 KRVN. Time for us to take a look at sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, fall camp started up this morning for the UNK Loper football team under the direction of third-year head coach Josh Lynn. The Lopers went five and six a year ago and returned 14 starters from that team, and head coach Josh Lynn has already seen a difference in the attitude of the club. You know, moving into last year, I knew we kind of felt like we could win, but I think this year we believe that we can win, and hopefully that carries over into those close ones that we lost from last year. You know, we need, we need to go in and win those close ones this year. The Lopers just finished up their first workout of the fall. They'll have a walkthrough later on tonight. They begin the season on September 5th at Missouri Southern. After scrimmaging yesterday, the Husker football team, they have today off before they will resume preseason workouts tomorrow. Fall camp is also underway for the Husker volleyball team. NU was a national runner-up to Stanford a year ago. Head coach John Cook named Lauren Stiverance one of this year's captains, and she feels this is a big honor. I've been here for quite some time, and I've got to see some really great volleyball players and people come through this program. And so to be recognized as one of those is like... It's really amazing, and I'm super excited to see what this team can do this year, and and I'm excited to lead them. Nebraska begins the season on August 30th against Creighton. The Nebraska men's basketball team is wrapping up the final game of its tour across Europe today. At this time, they are taking on a select team from Italy. Well, there haven't been a whole lot of highlights this summer for the Royals, but yesterday will go down as one of the best games of the season. Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler each homered twice as the Royals beat the Tigers 10-2 for a split of that four-game series. For Dozier, it's his third career multi-homer game. All of those came on this past road trip. Well, Hastings' deep run of the Mid-South American Legion Baseball Tournament came to an end yesterday at Duncan Field. 
Hastings was eliminated by Bryant of Arkansas 3-2, then Festus of Missouri. They later beat Bryant for the title 8-3. And former Husker and current U.S. World Team member Jordan Burroughs won gold in his weight class at the Pan American Games over the weekend. And today is the first day of fall practice for high school football, volleyball, cross-country, girls golf, boys tennis, and softball teams. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Officials are trying to determine the cause of the fire that temporarily shut down the Tyson Fresh Meats plant in Holcomb, Kansas. Investigators say the Friday night fire started in the box shop near the area where animals were killed, causing part of the roof to collapse. It took firefighters more than 12 hours to get the fire under control. Garden City Fire Chief Rick Collins says no one was injured. The Topeka Capital Journal reports Secretary of Commerce David Tolan and Secretary of Agriculture Mike Beam met Sunday with representatives from Tyson, local government, and economic development to coordinate state aid if it is needed. The plant will be closed indefinitely. The company says in a statement that it will pay employees until production resumes. The University of Nebraska Kearney is expected to announce construction soon of a university engagement center for its University Village project. The center is envisioned as a place for meetings and community events that can also house businesses and state offices. It also will be another step towards turning a vast field of alfalfa into business offices, townhouses and condos, shops and restaurants. Only two buildings have gone into the 104-acre area just south of campus, and both are university facilities. The Omaha World Herald reports that officials expect University Village will grow as a public-private partnership. Officials say Omaha's Exarbon Village provides an example in which a college and a business can live side-by-side and can support each other. Police say a pregnant woman was shot by an intruder in her bedroom in northeast Omaha. It occurred around 1.15 a.m. Sunday. Police say an 11-year-old boy told officers he heard someone enter the residence and saw someone walk into the woman's bedroom. He says he tried to intervene but then retreated. The intruder fired once, hitting the woman. Police say she was taken to Nebraska Medical Center for treatment of a non-life-threatening injury. She was identified as 33-year-old Jotiera Austin. Five people died when their vehicle collided with a semi-trailer on Nebraska Panhandle Highway. It occurred a little before 6 p.m. last night near Bridgeport. Nebraska State Patrol says the utility vehicle went out of control, crossed the center line, and hit the oncoming semi. The patrol says two adults and children ages 9, 13, and 14 were killed. Their names and relationships have not been released. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. We discuss the economics of growing wheat in Nebraska in the 2018-2019 growing year, as well as looking ahead to the 2019-2020 growing year. I'm Clay Patton here on the Rural Radio Network. Joining the conversation to discuss this is Corey Walters, UNL Ag Extension Economist. And Corey, as we get started, let's just dive right into the first thing. What do the economics of growing wheat in 2018-2019, what do they look like? Not a very uh, positive site at the at the current price levels. Um, so if, if uh, you know you're strictly a cash seller right now, think things are going to hurt. The the good news on that is is hey uh, maybe your yields are up there a little bit. Stark reminder that uh, those folks with the lowest cost production, um, 
you know they're they're gonna they're gonna be all right in this game. Decisions behind why farmers may put wheat into their rotation. Of course, there may be some soil health benefits and some of that those directions. But many times, planting decisions can also be driven by the economics of it, the supply and the demand for it. And of course, in the U.S., we've been facing a billion bushel carryover of U.S. wheat. We're now mm-hmm. facing some of the lowest planting acres we've seen in a hundred plus years. Going into mm-hmm. 2020, do you kind of think these same market factors are going to continue to influence those acres down, at least for Nebraska? Yeah, it seems like other crops are are creeping in while the the wheat uh, uh, price continues to to decline. Um, one one thing to note on that though is because of these uh, stocks you pointed out, which are are big, there then is a, a a market carry in the wheat markets on the future side. September nineteen uh, wheat is trading at four dollars and eighteen cents a bushel, and this carry what I was referring to. You go out to July of 20, and that's sitting at 470 a bushel. So the idea here is is simple: is one way we can look at the at, at planting wheat is well, what's the current prices like? And well, that's not very good. Or we could look forward into next year and say, you know what, what, what type of prices are we looking at for next year? And that's sitting around 470 there. So you you got about a 50 cent premium looking forward. So don't don't necessarily take this year's prices as the same opportunity that you would see for for next year now in doing that you you if you look forward then you you need to at least start your hedging process a pre-harvest hedging process to at least start locking in part of a of a good average of wheat on wheat price. Corey, looking at the 2019 crop, the one that they are harvesting or have harvested now, has there been marketing opportunities so far in 2019, 2018 to market this crop at a attractive price? That was last year around this time. So my, my dad raises wheat in, in Montana, hard, hard red wheat, just like in Nebraska. And uh, I, I was able to talk him into some uh, sales a year out and I think those those were a little north of six bucks. There was a, a a couple big rallies last year, and it pushed up the entire wheat market across across multiple crop years. Uh, now that's not all our bushels or anything. So we're still delivering. We're going to be delivering wheat at these uh, current prices you have right now. But the the point is, and I keep reminding my dad on this, is because he he doesn't want to be delivering any of this low price. He still has a good farm average price. And so sometimes those uh, opportunities come around. Um, they may they may uh, be ahead of the game a little bit uh, before you're even thinking of of planting that crop. But you never want to go too much on that either. You 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 can't sell everything you know a year out. Um, well you, well you could, but that's that's uh, maybe brings in some other risks a person doesn't want to uh, suffer through. Keep keep your mind open. If you're thinking about selling this year's crop right now with this wheat carry, then maybe you want to look out into next year at the same time because there is a positive value in those future prices going forward. Corey, what are the things farmers need to keep in mind when they're putting their marketing plan together for their 2019, 2020, and future wheat crops? The general idea that I've, I've gotten across to visiting with farmers, I would start off with a you know, small percentage, you know, 10, 20, 30%. The further out you are, the, the less you do, um, unless there's a bigger opportunity. And I think Dad ended up around 40% of his, his expected production uh, sold a, a year out in advance. Know what you're going to do if something goes wrong. So if there's, if there's winter kill, what are you going to do with your future hedges that you have already locked in? Are you going to roll those into the following year? Are you going to cash them out? 
Are you going to uh, pay pay for them if the current price is higher than the price you contracted for? You know, what are you going to do when this thing hit six twenty ish last year, a year ago? I mean, it was really obvious to me. I still had to twist Dad's arm some. Now he's smiling at me as it being a good son who's done some good marketing. I don't see it that way. It's I've sold one and watched it go up, and I've sold and watched it go down. The the goal of this whole thing is. Just to get a good average price, give a better chance of the farm surviving. That's all. I, I just don't want to suffer through a lot of low prices at one shot, you know, and then at some point, you know, make a bunch of money because prices went up. I just want a good price. That's our objective. So that's why we're we're going that route. So small increments. Know what you're going to do if something goes wrong with that. And so what essentially went wrong with us is now we got yields that are probably. 30% over our expected production. So he's, he's going to have more grain now. So we're, we're, we're maybe only 30% sold or something. We're going to put those in the grain bin, and we're going to speculate that this price is going to move up here over the next eight months. Again, we've been talking with Corey Walters, UNL Ag Extension Economist, here on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at today's stock market report, see what's going on there. And uh, not great right now as we look overseas. First of all, the Japanese Nikkei is up 90, was up 91 points, so that's good. The Hang Seng down 114, though. The FTSE in London was down 18, and the German DAX index was also down 14. Here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is on Wall Street, down 321 points. NASDAQ down 78, and the S&P is down 32 at this time. Bob Brogan in here as the stocks uh, marching downward once again, Bob. Yeah, stocks, uh, stocks are extending their losses. Um, amid investor concerns that the U.S.-China trade war may be worsening, investors fear that... President Donald Trump's impending September 1st tariff hike on more Chinese imports will scuttle talks aimed at ending the trade war. Technology companies and banks uh, bore the brunt of the selling. Chipmaker Qualcomm fell 1.2%. Closer to home, fire officials are still trying to uh, figure out the cause of a fire that's temporarily shut down the Tyson Fresh Meats plant in Holcomb, Kansas. Investigators say that fire Friday night started in the box shop near the area where animals are killed, causing part of the roof to collapse, and firefighters had their hands full for a better part of 12 hours getting that fire under control. That plant is uh, closed indefinitely, and of course a lot of people are wondering when it will uh, reopen and uh, under what conditions it will reopen. Elsewhere today... um, Rite Aid has chosen a former insurance executive to replace its longtime CEO, John Stanley, in an effort to right the struggling drugstore chain. Rite Aid runs nearly 2,500 drugstores and lost $99 million and some more than that even in the first quarter. In a bid to lift plummeting share prices, Rite Aid's board approved a reverse stock split this year to keep the shares on the New York Stock Exchange. And it's still unclear when an irrigation canal will be fixed after that collapse near uh, in um, in the western Panhandle area. Actually, the uh, the the tunnel 
um, is in that area it will res- and when it will resume handling water. More than 100,000 acres of farmland in Nebraska and Wyoming remains dry, so officials have been working to repair the tunnel since it collapsed, but it won't be clear until at least later this week whether it can be repaired soon enough to help this year's crops at all. So that's a huge uh, cloud hanging over that area as far as the irrigation canal is concerned. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. I appreciate commodities. Oil prices up just a little bit at about 54, a little over $54 a barrel. And of course, corn prices down almost 6% at 3.92. Over the past 18 years, KRVN, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. We're also honoring our Nebraska Strong this summer, so follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts all summer long and register for your chance to win a brand new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. This beauty has running boards and tinted windows. Being Nebraska Strong, we would like to encourage you to continue with relief efforts to our friends, neighbors, and family across the state by making donations through the Nebraska Cattlemen. Helping us bring the Ram to your town is CHS, creating connections to empower agriculture culture sure top angus and charlay farnham and nutrient ag solutions head over to the fun and games page at krvn.com to find out when the ram will be in your area register and you could be bringing it home according to the care interns organization in 2018 it costs an average of six thousand dollars to intern in washington dc for comparison it might cost half or about three thousand dollars for an intern to live and work in lincoln nebraska the Nebraska Farm Bureau has a program that makes a summer in Washington, D.C. more affordable. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. Katie Nolis is from Bassett, Nebraska, and she recently wrapped up her summer in the nation's capital as the most recent recipient of the Keith R. Olson Agricultural Policy Internship Award. Katie is a member of the Rock County Farm Bureau and is a senior at the University of Nebraska majoring in agricultural education. I was really fortunate to be able to intern for Congressman Adrian Smith in D.C., so I live in the 3rd District, and it was really neat to be able to intern for someone who is my representative, but also someone that I've known for most of my life and admired the work that he does for us. What were some of the roles and responsibilities you had as an intern in Congressman Smith's office? My main roles consisted of constituent correspondence and legislative research. So everything from answering phone calls, logging mail, uh, giving capital tours was something that I really enjoyed being able to get out of the office a little bit and spend time with fellow Nebraskans, sharing the history that I had learned and was so passionate about, and then also conducting some legislative research to be be able to better serve the constituents of the 3rd District and also apply some of the knowledge that I had gained at the university. What was it about Washington, D.C. that made you want to go there and work for a summer? I grew up being very involved in politics at a grassroots level, grew up volunteering on campaigns with my parents, so I always wanted to be part of something deeper and be able to be on Capitol Hill where the policy was being made. So I really enjoyed being able to take in all of those experiences and see how all the moving pieces uh, go into making policy happen. You call Bassett, Nebraska home, a town of about 600 people, a little different, I'm sure, going to Washington, D.C., uh, with all the folks there and the, uh, the things you have to experience. Talk about the adjustment, I guess, from uh, somebody who grew up near Bassett, Nebraska, and living in Lincoln while going to school here, then to work in D.C. for a summer. 
It is definitely an adjustment, even from Lincoln, let alone from Bassett, to go to D.C. So I commuted about an hour one way on the metro. I didn't have a car, so I had to have all my groceries ordered online and delivered to me. And people have just a different mindset and way of life uh, on the East Coast and in D.C. specifically. So it was super fast-paced. But I was still able to meet a lot of Nebraskans and a lot of people that were connected to agriculture who would sit down and have coffee with me or share some tips about how to best navigate the city. So even though it was definitely different than what I was used to, I was still able to find connections with people who made the transition a lot easier. Katie, talk a little bit more about uh, the Keith R. Olson Agricultural Policy Internship Award and the role that had with your summer in Washington, D.C. So the award is in memory of Keith Olson, who is a past president of Nebraska Farm Bureau, and it provides a stipend to one University of Nebraska student to spend their summer interning in Washington, D.C. And that's really helpful because a lot of internships in D.C. are unpaid. So even though I did have a paid internship, the scholarship really helped me to be able to cover my living and travel expenses uh, while I was out there. That was Katie Nolis of Bassett, Nebraska, the most recent recipient of the Keith R. Olson Agricultural Policy Internship Award. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Well, it was like a bomb today as a big meltdown in the grains. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network and with us, John Payne. He is Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. With these low prices in corn and hard red winter wheat futures, on the positive side of things, this might stimulate some sales, don't you think? I'd like to think so. You know, I mean, that would be the, the silver lining for a day like today. It was really nasty out there, everything pretty much on the offer. Um, you know, I mean, if you had told me that they were going to come out with a 76 million acre soybean number, I would have said, oh, we'd be up 20, 30 cents, and closing the day down about 13 tells you that nobody really wanted to touch anything ag-related. One of the worst days I think I've seen here uh, across the board, if it wasn't for hogs kind of trading around unchanged, it would have been a total bloodbath. You know, I'm sure you've discussed the, the livestock markets in the prior segments, but from the grain perspective, um, the worry you have is it just kind of starts the, the, the fall, you know, I mean, we're... The, the funds are long still, and, and there's a lot of liquidation that can still happen. I think we'll fill those gaps down in the 370s, and I hate to get bearish here as the market falls, but this is just not the time where you tend to see momentum turn around. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see whether or not this is legit, you know, how these numbers shake out. But, um, you know, if we're going to have a 170 yield uh, with, you know, 82 planted, I mean, shoot, that's that's a good, that's an average year. So after everything that's happened here in Illinois, you know, with, with uh, the massive amount of problems we've had really across the board, uh, whether it be the, the early wet to the now dry, um, to, to pin us at 171, which is, you know, we were at 180 last year. It's just incredible. So production, um, you know, upwards of $14 billion, that we're probably too high here with a 2-1 carryout. Overall in this picture, you didn't see uh, the huge drop in soybeans that could have happened, I guess, given given what happened in wheat and corn. Now, from a marketing perspective, can you come up with ideas for this? Well, yeah, I think you just got to start marketing next year's crop. I, I hate to be hyperbolic on this. This is not 
advice. I'm not telling you to go out and sell everything this very moment, but I think you got to have a plan here because if, even at these prices, at four or five next year, what are guys playing? I mean, they're still going to plant corn, and so we're we're going to chase a level probably where cotton's trading in the high fifties, uh, soybeans next year's crops trading in the low nine nines nine nine twenty six something like that into the close today. Um, so you know, corn at four or five next year, we'll get acres. It doesn't matter. So. Um, you know, with this yield, this production number, you know, carry out a 2-1, I, I think we're probably too high on those deferreds. Thanks. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Their website, danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Well, that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to krvn.com or listen to your our app.